Welcome to episode 60 of Little Cabin Knits. Is self-care selfish? Welcome, my friends. I'm your host, Emily, and Little Cabin Knits is a bi-weekly podcast all about knitting, mental health, advocacy around mental health, my new mama journey, and life happenings here in the wilds of Alaska with a little bit of Huga sprinkled throughout. I'm your host, Emily. I'm a knitter, crafter, mental health therapist, and explorer of my home state of Alaska. This week's episode contains administration, raise a cuppa, on the couch, personal skill set, a time for Huga, and contemplation corner. So sit back with a cup of your choice, maybe pick up a, a knitting or crafting project that you've been uh, wanting to concentrate more on, and let's talk a little bit about mental health, self-care, and what is on my needles. Also, we'll have a Jimmy update. Hey, Mr. Jimmy, you want to say hi to everybody? Huh? You were just talking. You want to talk some more? Is that a no? I'll try and catch some audio of him as we go through the episode today. Administration. Well, as per usual, my friends, just a reminder that you can find me on Instagram and Ravelry as Anders Mill Knits. I also have an Instagram for Little Cabin Knits, which I very rarely post on. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have made that one. But I also have an Instagram feed for Between Knits and Pearls, which is my YouTube channel that I co-host with my good friend Stephanie of Farmstead Knits. You can find all the show notes on Between Knits and Pearls. And here is something brand new, my friends. I created a Ko-Fi account for Little Cabin Knits. You know, I've talked for a long time, or I haven't mentioned it in a long time, but I've been contemplating it for over a year now about how it would be really lovely if I could um, get some kind of financial support for the time and energy that I put into this podcast. And I have at once felt that that would be wonderful, and at the same time, I have also felt that 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 would be kind of um I don't know I felt a little guilty asking for that because I chose to make this podcast I choose to include the segments and put in the work that I do to this podcast um and it's not your responsibility to make sure that I continue to do that however um you know it uh, <laughs> does take me a long time not recently it hasn't taken me recently a very long time although today it's what with all the stops with for baby and everything um I think we're going on about six hours now for making this episode and I have very slim show notes that I wrote for today uh, but you can still find those on between knits and pearls.com um so it would be nice if if you if you would like to buy me a coffee, which I don't drink coffee, or you know a soda, quote unquote, that would be great. I would like to in the future include some higher tiers where you could get um, some special um, um, some special incentives from me for for doing the higher tiers. 
And there are things that I've thought about doing, such as a daily or weekly journal prompt, or um, or uh, twice a year, those people who got the higher tier would get the daily self-care challenge twice a year for a month each time, uh, and so on and so forth. I've thought about those kinds of things. I've also thought about, you know, also including in there, um, uh, uh, like you would get a 30-minute consultation with me on any questions that you might have about mental health or difficulties that you have in your own life, understanding that I would not be your counselor. It would be more like I would be a life coach in that capacity, Um, and you could gain access to that with a higher tier membership as well. Those are the kinds of things that I've contemplated, and uh, I haven't put any of them into effect because at this moment, Uh, I can't actually put forth the energy to do those things. I just need to concentrate on healing and taking care of little Jimmy here. Um, And so at the moment, you can go and buy me a coffee over on Ko-Fi. So the website for that is K-O forward slash, no, K-O-F-I.com forward slash little cabin knits and I'll have that linked as well in the show notes but I also will have it linked on my um, Instagram profile on my on my links page that that I have on my Instagram profile if you'd like to go there so those are the things that I have listed whoops Uh, on Ko-Fi at the moment and I appreciate any support that you guys are willing to provide Turn your chair back on. There you go. That's what you want. Do you want Mama to pick you up? Yeah, you want to be on the episode with us, huh? Okay. Okay, I'll get you. Raise a cuppa. Well, my friends, yeah, Jimmy and I are coming to you from uh, our first blustery day of the summer here in Alaska. I feel so grateful to be curled up with my little guy in our nice warm hand knits and my, um, my robe for the day and just watching the rain fall. This is We've needed rain desperately, and it's finally decided to fall last night and today. Yeah, what are you saying? Here, here's your binky. Here's your binky. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's tired, so he's a little grouchy because he wants to fight the sleep. So, it's been a couple weeks since I was able to record. Things are a little touch and go at the moment. Um, Jimmy is now seven weeks and one day old, and he's absolutely marvelous. He is growing by leaps and bounds. He's filling out. He's not as thin as he used to be. Um, He's eating like a horse, and... Um, I think he probably uh, weighs um, eight pounds and maybe one or two ounces um, at this point. He has a doctor's appointment on Thursday, and so we will see um, what he weighs at that point. But he is doing really good. He also uh, sleeps pretty much through the whole night. He'll wake up once, and once he, (laughs) I think he startles himself awake when he realizes that he's hungry and that his diaper is dirty, and so he's just like, oh, all these things have to be taken care of right now, um, and as soon as I start, as soon as I change his diaper, and I start feeding him within a few minutes, usually, of putting the bottle to his lips, he starts falling asleep as he's eating, but there are some nights that he just uh, decides that he is awake now, and he doesn't want to go back to sleep, One of those nights happened this last weekend. Um, Jimmy woke up at about 2.15. We went through the normal routine of feeding him and then he was, but he was just wide awake and just the cutest little fella and just waving his arms around and looking bright eyed and bushy tailed. And I'm sitting in bed like a zombie, like, oh my gosh, this is, I'm so tired. And uh, normally I can sing him one of his quote unquote lullabies and he'll go back to sleep within a little bit, but not that night. So by about four o'clock, I think it was, maybe a little before, I was just tuckered out so much. And my husband was like, okay, let me give it a try. So Mr. Radio picked up Jimmy and took him out into the living room. And they rocked in the rocking chair. He put, and Mr. Radio put him in his vibrating chair. Uh, he tried giving him a little bit more food. He tried, you know, bouncing him up and down. He tried... <laughs> Mr. Radio, even though he's, um, he, well, you know, his previous profession was a radio host, uh, for about, um, almost 20 years, I want to say, um, he's so silly because Mr. Radio doesn't really know the words to any songs in the world, uh, because he doesn't really care about the words to songs. He likes the feeling behind the song, the rhythm in the song, he's really listening to the acoustics, um, and the, and the, the, the lyrical, um, the music in the song rather than the actual words. So he didn't know any words to any song. So he was making up songs to little Jimmy and time passed. And it was finally about seven o'clock and I'd been waking up off and on, you know, and hearing them, from the living room and at seven o'clock I was just like you know what honey let's try taking him for a drive he usually falls asleep whoops you lost your binky yeah he usually falls asleep pretty darn fast like we pull out of our parking spot here at the condo complex and Jimmy is already his eyes are already fluttering closed and he just really loves driving it's very soothing to him. He oftentimes gets a little frustrated when when we're at stoplights and things. He'll start getting cranky. He's like, why'd we stop? I want to be moving here. I like this feeling. 
Um, and so we did. We we went for a drive uh, just around town, nothing special. Um, but uh, we did stop at Walmart towards the end uh, because we were like, hey, we're out and about. So uh, Mr. Radio might as well run into Walmart when it's super early out and nobody is really at Walmart at this time of day on a Saturday and pick up the few groceries that we need. So he did that while I stayed in the car with Jimmy, who'd fallen asleep by that time. And then we came home and we all went back to bed and slept for a couple more hours. Jimmy and I then got up, but um, he do- Jimmy doesn't like to be... Oh, that was a big yawn. Jimmy doesn't like really to be swaddled um, like other babies do. He really likes to wave his arms around. And I've really noticed that I have to swaddle him in a very particular way at nighttime or he will just lay in his bassinet and just be as cranky as all get out um, trying to get himself free of that swaddle. Um, and so um, we do that with him. Hi, lovey. What you want up here? Yeah. Oh, you look so tired. Is it time for a nap? Yeah. You're not going to give in, are you? Yeah. He's very stubborn. And he wants what he wants now. And usually what he wants is to be held by mommy or daddy or grandma and grandpas. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he he is just absolutely wonderful. And, um, you know, Mr. Radio and I have learned to understand a little bit better. I mean, there are times where I just, I'm listening to him cry and I'm just like, I don't know what you need, Mr. You've been fed. We've changed your diaper. You're nice and warm. You're in my arms. And I honestly don't know why you're still crying. Um, And so we'll just try different things like putting him down in his bassinet or uh, putting him in his vibrating chair, which he loves his vibrating chair. I also ordered a couple of things um, off of Amazon that are Montessori uh, toys for newborns through, uh, that are learning to see. And I'm sure all of you guys know this. I certainly didn't realize this, but I feel like I, I know I, I knew this before Jimmy was born, but it didn't really hit home until Jimmy was born. But when they're first born, they, their eyesight is the worst. Like everything is just completely blurry. They can see light and darkness and that's about it. And they can hear voices, right? Um, But they can't really see, like, my face. So there's really no point in me making goofy faces at him or cooing in his face, you know, with the facial expressions anyway. Um, But then by month two, things start to, you know, start clearing up a little bit. Things are coming into a little bit more focus. But it's still like a um, a person who uh, has really poor eyesight, um needs glasses at that point by month three things are really coming into focus and sharp focus and he's able to really connect things well we're in month two and one of the things that I'd been reading about is that you know babies can see light and dark during the first month so black and white month two they can they start seeing the color red now red apparently is the first color that they can see uh, that is developed in the womb right? Um, And so that's why it's the first color that they're able to recognize outside of the womb, according to the things that I read, you know, that's just what I've been researching. And then month three, they're able to distinguish a lot more colors. 
so these Montessori tools um, are very sensory oriented. Uh, I got some here. I'll grab. It'll be a little difficult with Jimmy in my arms to move over here. But I got him a book. Can you hear that? So there's a lot of sensory things going on. Some of the book, all the pages are uh, fabric. Um, and some of them um, have crinkles inside. Hello, my darling. Uh, some of them are just black and white checkers. Some of them have mirrors on them. Uh, and some of them have little flaps that you fold over. And it reveals a little bit more color here or there. And so it's... Um, a very safe book for Jimmy to be learning on. And so I got that. And we go through that book every day. Don't we, Jim Jim? Yep. Oh, I'm so sorry. What's happening? Hold on. Come here. And I also got him a series uh, of cards that... Um, and these card packs, each in these card packs have 80 images in each card pack. And they're... Um, sparsed out through the different um, months of the first year. So we've got zero to three months, three to six, and so on and so forth. And you, one way that you can engage your baby is by showing the card to the baby and explaining what is on the card. So maybe it's a triangle in black. And so you, you know, you say, this is a triangle. You know, you know they don't know what a triangle is at this stage, but you're you're helping them begin to understand the world around them. Or maybe there's a koala bear, you know, maybe down the road in month eight or something. And you, so you explain what a koala bear is to them and things like that. And so I've been really enjoying those um, and showing those to him every day. And what do we need, Love Bucket? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we've been doing those every single day. And he seems to enjoy them. He tries. Currently, he's on, at the mode where he's trying to grab the cards or the book. And, um, and I really like that because that means he's starting to connect with the objects that I'm showing him. So that makes me really excited. Um, as for me, I am still on family, the Family Medical Leave Act. I'm still unable to go back to work. I just went to the doctor's yesterday. And poor Jimmy, he had to go to the doctor's with me because my family was all camping. And so there was nobody to take us. Yes. And take care of Jimmy while I was in the doctor's for four and a half hours yesterday. Um, so he was in there with me and... Everybody was, you know, you know, excited to see Jimmy, especially at my OBGYNs. They, everybody at the front office, all the nurses, everybody was just so excited. And I can totally understand just from a baby aspect, because at an OBGYN's office, you see the baby bump develop. But you hardly ever get to see the actual baby once it's delivered and once he's progressed. Um, but there are some cases like mine where the complications from birth are so difficult that the that the OBGYN continues to see the patient i.e. me and so they get to see the baby when I bring him in so everybody was super excited to see him yesterday uh, everybody was ooing and aahing over him and while I was getting examined by every single OBGYN in, in that office 
Uh, so there's five OBGYNs. They all know me. They all know my case. They've all been working together to try and figure it out. And so one after another of them were checking on me yesterday and, and looking at my C-section incision and trying to figure out why in the world, A, I'm not healing, B, I continue to have an infection even though I have been on antibiotics three times now and I just finished up my third round and C, why my wounds are actually getting deeper rather than shallower when um, the wound care clinic put me, put me on a wound vac, which is supposed to be this miraculous machine that will heal you uh, by it, it, you know, one of the things that it does is it wicks away all the, you know, excuse my language, but pus and yucky stuff out of the wounds. So, and it uh, leaves the area clear for healthy uh, cells to develop and the healing to, to, to form from the bottom of the wound up. Um, but instead what's been happening is that it's been getting deeper and deeper. So, you know, the nurses were all caring for Jimmy and passing him around from one nurse to another. And uh, one of them changed his diaper once. And I instructed another one on how to make his bottle, you know, because I couldn't touch him. Even even if I hadn't been laying on the um, patient table for a couple hours, you know, I was I refused to touch my son when um, when I'm not my hands are not clean. You know, they just weren't. Well, so. Um, during this visit, all of the doctors determined that the wound vac was actually making things worse for me and actually seemed, appeared to be cultivating the, um, what's it called? The bad bacteria, I guess is the word. I don't know. Um, but you know, um, making me remain sick and infected rather than clearing up the infection. And so they said, okay, well, uh, so I had to go to the wound clinic right after I saw my doctors. And they said, well, we want you to have them call us while you're there so we can discuss a new uh, plan for your care. So when I got to the wound care clinic, um, I was really lucky because there is the head nurse there. Everybody in the office of the wound care clinic are nurses. There are no doctors in that office. Um, doctors consult and they might come in once in a while to help out, but there's no doctors actually assigned to the wound care clinic. It's just nurses. Well, the head nurse happened to be at the front desk when I was checking in and explaining to the, um, to the, to the lady at the front desk, the situation. And so she said, you know what? Okay. Um, I'm going to take care of you today so that we can really figure out what's going on because I, you know, she hadn't seen me since she did my intake like five weeks ago. Um, and so she, when she uncovered my wound, she was like, oh my goodness, yeah, this is not, this is not good. And then when she saw what the wound vac had been taking out of my body, she said, this is a terrible color. This is just all pus and this is not healthy fluid that it's taking out. It's just taking out, I mean, it's taking out pus, which is a great thing, but like it, it, things shouldn't be this color, and especially not at this stage where I'd been on the wound back for almost four weeks at that point. Um, and so I got my main OBGYN on the phone and uh, put her on speaker so that myself, the head nurse, and my OBGYN, we could all have a conference. And I felt really heard and really understood um, and 
there's some other things that were going on that I really don't want to discuss on here because they're just not, I just feel like those things are just a little too personal for me um, to actually discuss on here. So, you know, but there, there was some other things going on too, besides from the fact that I wasn't healing and things. So, um, and so the head nurse and my doctor came up with a plan, took me off of the wound vac. Um, and if I go back on the wound vac, I guess I'm going to go on with a different model that's supposed to work better. And, and the head nurse was like, I don't even know why they got you this wound back in particular the, anyway, because this one probably wouldn't have ne- would never have actually helped you. And I was like, just rolling my eyes. I was like, seriously, what is wrong with people? Why is it that I'm like this? I keep on getting the short end of the stick when it comes to the healing process here. I just, I'm, I'm really frustrated because I just like, I keep on getting these, getting these odd comments of, of things like, I don't understand why they're doing this to you, that that's not right. And I'm just like, why, why can't people just be consistent? We all be on the same page and do the right thing for my healing rather than what I feel most of the time was going on was a guessing game. Now, granted, at the end of the day, yesterday, it was rather a guessing game as to what we did decide to do for my healing process for the next week. But at this point, I get it because I'm stumping everybody. Like, nobody can really understand. Um, so to give you an idea of what's happening with my C-section incision, if you took your pinky, you could actually insert your pinky all the way to the base of the pinky into my three wounds that I have, and probably longer, actually, um, because the wounds are so deep. All this also meant that my OBGYN has refused to sign me off to go back to work this next Monday, and she wrote a letter um, stating uh, that for my job, and she wouldn't actually give a return date because she said... You know, she just didn't feel comfortable giving a return date at that time because everything just seems to be up in the air and and crazy. So we're going to reevaluate on the 28th of July when I go in for my next appointment with her. And maybe at that time she'll be able to let me go back to work. All this does mean that, uh, you know, money is very tight here at the house, uh, very stressful I'm extremely exhausted. I'm in constant pain. Every time I move, bend down, pick up Jimmy, lay down or go from a laying position to a sitting position, walk even, uh, all of those things, I get very sharp pains in my abdomen. It's almost as if, now it's not as bad as this, but it is pretty darn close, as if I had my C-section yesterday, you know, not seven weeks ago. That's how bad the pain is. And... I am refusing to take the pain medication uh, anymore because I don't want to be addicted to it. We discussed that on the last episode, I think. And so I take ibuprofen, off, uh, over-the-counter ibuprofen, and I take over-the-counter Tylenol, and that's it for the pain. And let me tell you, it does not even come close to touching it. It just doesn't. And so it's not great. Um, so... All that being said, I have actually self-diagnosed myself with postpartum depression. 
I don't think I have full-on postpartum, but I do believe that I hit the markers for all postpartum depression. And it's really evident mainly in the fact that my emotions are rather erratic. Like I can be um, happy and mm, actually I wouldn't say that I I have actually classified that I've actually been truly happy um, in a while now. Uh, Even when I'm holding Jimmy and I have this overwhelming feeling of love come over me, there's always this overlying feeling of fear, concern, and so on and so forth for him and myself that that is overshadowing that feeling of love and devotion. So it's never that true feeling of just pure happiness that I've felt. Um, and I can, I can have that, and, and then the next second, uh, though, I'll just snap at Mr. Radio and bless his heart. He is the most wonderful man, but, and, but he just takes it, and he's just, he just, he's like, I understand. You're not well. You don't feel good. Um, but he also doesn't truly understand because, and he, and he'll say this too, because he just, he doesn't know the extent of the pain that I'm in. Um, because he hasn't experienced that. Um, for the most part, Mr. Radio has really lived a charmed life in that he hasn't really, like he's never broken a bone or anything like that, so he's never felt some intense pain. Um, and some other things are coming up. You know, my doctors had told me right after the C-section that, um, you know, um, unfortunately, I don't think I revealed this before, but my... My situation was so dire that um, Jimmy actually almost, giving birth to Jimmy actually almost killed me. Um, and so my doctors have told me that if I were to get pregnant again, most likely it, it, would, it would cause my, my death. And so one of the things that we've been having to deal with is the idea that... Um, we were really hoping that we could have another child because we both feel like we're meant to have one more. But Mr. Radio, he just keeps saying, like, um, we can't, we can't get pregnant because I, I, you know, I just can't live without you. And it's not fair to, to Jimmy or to me for you to selfishly get pregnant again. And he's using the word correctly in this case, the selfish word correctly. Um, because you feel like there's another baby waiting for us and then for you to pass away potentially and not be there to raise your children that's just not fair to them and he's exactly right but it doesn't mitigate the grief that I feel and the anger that I feel at my body for in essence betraying me is how I feel so, you know, there's a lot of emotions going on, a lot of really intense emotions going on here in in our home. Um, but there's still love and compassion as well. And there is a lot of patience going on. And for that, I am eternally grateful. So that's where we're at at the moment. And so I think what I'd like to do now is move on to what is on the couch so I can tell you the very about the very limited knitting that I've been able to accomplish over the past seven weeks. On the couch. 
Well, I'm actually really surprised at how many projects I currently have on the go at present. I have four projects. None of them are old projects. All are technically new cast-ons since, uh, since I've been in the hospital or what have you. Um, and the first one I want to talk about, th this is in no particular order um, as far as when I cast them on. It's just what was to hand or what I thought of first to write down. So the first one is my Muscleboro hat by Isolde Teague. I'm calling this project my Charming Muscleboro because I am using uh, my good friend Maureen's of Charming Used Colorway July Jingle that was a part of her Christmas in July uh, set. So what came in that set was this gorgeous skein of yarn called July Jingle. And I've... I think I officially termed this as my all-time favorite colorway, bar none. Um, and uh, she uh, in, and you got a beautiful, uh, absolutely gorgeous, actually, um, bag by the maker Button and Boo, who does not have an Etsy shop, uh, and you can't buy her bags at present. She only makes them uh, as in in a way, sort of as a favor to um, Maureen of Charming You. And this is just so such a beautiful uh, bag. It's a bucket bag that has just a snap closure at the top, so no zipper closure, and I love the snap. Here, can you hear it snap closed? Oh, I just love it. So you can feed your, so you can snap that closed and still feed your yarn through, keeping your yarn safe and clean in your project bag. It also ha is lined with pockets. Actually, let me just open this back up and see how many pockets we have. We have one, two, three, four, five pockets on the inside of this, ranging in sizes. And currently, I am using four out of the five pockets. And it also comes, Button and Boo also made this. I've never seen anything like this. Uh, but it is made out of faux leather, it's gold, and it's in the shape of a star, kind of like the Bethlehem star. And it is a mini um, um, doodad holder. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't think of the, of the accessories holder. That is clipped to the inside of my project bag and is currently holding the uh, charms and the stitch markers that I am using for this project inside. And I love this bag. Just absolutely love it. And the last piece of the puzzle that came with this kit was from Tiddly Bakes, who we all know and adore. Uh, just absolutely astounding artistry uh, there. And she made a um, sugar cookie uh, charm that has a Christmas tree on it, kind of like as if the Christmas tree is in a snow globe. I just love this charm. And I am currently using all of my Tiddly Bakes charms to mark um, each day's progress on this, um, or each time I sit down and knit on this project, the 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 the, the that day's progress um, on the the Muscleboro hat. Um, I think I have maybe four and a half inches knit on this hat. Eh, that might be a generous number there. But um, the colorway is just so beautiful. It reminds me of Country Cottage. 
It reminds me of my grandmumsy's garden, in, and yet it's called July Jingle. And I understand why she called it that, because what she did pretty much is she took all the colors of Christmas and either did a soft, muted form of them, or, you know, the next color way, or the colors way, the color connected to that. So instead of doing, like, the color red, which we all associate with Christmas, she did this beautiful um, variegation of a blush pink that has, uh, like, little specks of maroon sprinkled throughout. And instead of doing a... Uh, you know, Christmas green, she did a springtime green that's muted as well. But she also did a um, kind of like a sea glass blue green, but that's also muted. Everything is muted. And I have loved knitting on this project. One of the things I really enjoy about this Muscleboro hat, now, now granted, this is the first time I've cast it on, um, is that Isolde wrote this pattern so that you could knit it with any yarn at your disposal and at practically any gauge. She gives you the calculations in the pattern so that if you're knitting this hat out of worsted weight yarn, you know exactly what to do. If you're knitting it like me out of fingering weight yarn, but instead of knitting it on a US size, like say one or zero, uh, I'm knitting this on a US size three, so she says, okay, if your tension is such and such, and my tension is seven stitches to the inch, well, this is how many you need to increase from the crown of the hat to fit around your head, which by the way, she also gives all the different sizes for the head as well. And so I kind of have a bigger noggin, you know? And so my head is 22 inches around, so I am knitting it for the size of 22 inches, which she, uh, she wrote into the pattern the negative ease so you can honestly say okay my head is 22 inches around I'm going to knit for that size and it won't be overly big on me it'll actually have some negative ease in there so it'll fit snugly on my head the way you like hats to do right I just I am so impressed with Isolde's patterns every time I knit them and it's making me really want to cast on the love note. Uh, I feel like there are a couple patterns out there in the knitting verse that I have never uh, knit and they are so incredibly popular. One of them being the love note. And for a long time one of the reasons why I didn't knit the love note is because everybody I knew that was knitting it was knitting it with I think a fingering weight, but I also know that they held it double with um, mohair. And if there's one thing that I've discovered about myself is that I don't like wearing mohair. I don't mind knitting with it, but I really dislike wearing it. It's way too itchy on my skin. Just can't handle it. I'd rather wear Icelandic wool um, next to my skin than mohair. Like I feel like I could handle that better. And I have actually in the past. <laughs> um, I do have one sweater that I have knit that I held mohair double with uh, a DK weight yarn that I hand dyed myself. Uh, and I just pretty much never wear that sweater because I hate the itchiness that it happens with it and how hot I get. Oh my gosh, I get so hot in that sweater. So I've actually been contemplating lately like either ripping that sweater out completely, which... I am 
um, scared witless at the idea of ripping out mohair because you guys all know how it tangles with itself. Um, or cutting off the arms and trying somehow to make it into an oversized pillow that I would have in my home because I don't mind laying on, you know, putting my face next to the mohair. I just don't like wearing it for long periods of time. Probably I'll, I won't do anything for who knows how long, <laughs> but I've just been contemplating that lately. Anyway, so I want to knit the love note, but I don't want to knit with mohair. But recently I've seen other people who have lit, knit the love note sans the mohair yarn. And so that's given me hope. So I really want to cast that on. That's another Isolde Teague pattern. And another pattern that I actually already own, which is the Ranunculus, I have wanted to knit that for so long. At first, I I was not knitting it because I felt like that one size fits all that, that it was touted to be could not be true and would not fit my larger frame. And so I was like, there's no way. And also it was always saying, oh, you just it's a one skein wonder sweater. And I was like, yeah, right. Um, but I've seen enough people knit it up that I feel more confident in that, although I still would not knit it to the short length that you would need to in order for it to be a one skein wonder. Uh, and also I've seen that the designer has come out with additional sizes, such as for plus size people like myself, which I've lost so much weight since I've been so sick that I'm not really a plus size anymore. I'm just the size large. I'm not like a 2X as I used to. I don't know that I ever was a 2X. I'll just be honest. I just don't like wearing form-fitting clothes because I don't like my rolls, um, my rolls of fat being out there for everyone to see. So I always wear baggy clothes. So I probably have never been a 2X, but I that's what I've always I've worn for like the past 20 years. Anyway, I want to knit those things. Uh, and the Muscleboro hat was one of those patterns that was out there. I was watching everybody knit it, and. I was like, well, I mean, honestly, it's just uh it's just a uh a, a knit tube. Why do I need to pay Isolde Teague for this pattern when it's just a knit tube and it's like I can just make this on my knitting machine um easily and I I don't have to pay Isolde uh to have this. And then um something just kind of clicked in my head when I got this yarn that I wanted to knit the Muscleboro hat. And I just went ahead and bought it. And I was so surprised and awed at the pattern itself. And I feel like it's like a hundred patterns in one. I, I could knit this hat um, for every person in my family on at least three different weight yarns for each of them and still not knit every combination that Isolde has included in this pattern. And I, I just, ugh, I'm just so happy with it. Um, but yes, I love, love, love this pattern. And I also really love it because now that I'm past the crown increasing, uh, I'm just knitting round and round and I don't have to think about anything. I can just pick it up and knit. So my plan here is to knit the main body um, of the hat, both the outside and the inside lining, 
in the uh, July Jingle colorway. But um, Maureen also included in this kit two very generous 20 gram mini skeins, one in a soft gold and another in kind of a soft raspberry pink. And so my thought process is, is that when I get to, uh, I will knit the brim of my hat um, in these colors. So uh, when, uh, when you're wearing the hat one way, it will have a gold brim. And when you're wearing the hat inside out, if you will, it'll have a raspberry brim. And I just think that because, and then I'll just have multiple hats within one hat. And I'm just so excited about that. Um, I hand wound uh, all the yarn for this project because I couldn't find my my skein winder. I could I found my anyway I couldn't find my my skein winder, uh, and so I was over at my mom's house, and and we were having a crafting day over there, and and uh, Grandpa was cuddling with Jimmy, or one of the nieces would cuddle with Jimmy, or Grandma would, and I would just be able to, I was just able to sit in my mom's chair, which is incredibly comfortable, and uh, just hand wind this beautiful skein of yarn and the minis that went with it. I and it took me hours, mind you, because I was so tired and in so much pain that I was doing everything very slowly, but I was well taken care of by my family, and so was Jimmy, and so I had the time to do it. It was just lovely. Okay, so that is the Muscleboro hat. Let me get back into my show notes. And by the way, there are show notes today, which you can find on betweenknitsandpearls.com. The next pattern that I cast on, I actually cast on on the 20th of May. Uh, and I'm calling this my post-pregnancy shawl. And I haven't knit very much of it, but I have knit um, some uh, on this on this. I cast this on, it's the, the pattern is actually called Kuschelig, K-U-S-C-H-E-L-I-G. And on the show notes, I have the patterns that I mentioned linked to Ravelry. And if I found that the patterns were anywhere else on the interwebs outside of Ravelry, I also link it there and you can see like for the muscle burrow, I have it written right there in my show notes, link to the Ravelry project page. And then I have the next line link to Isolde's website where you can purchase her patterns there instead of going to Ravelry. I can't find that this pattern, the Kuschelig, is anywhere except for on Ravelry. So that's the only place you can find it um, based off of my show notes. But this is a fascinating knit. Um, it's designed to be knit using minis, um, mini skeins or leftover yarn. And you're knitting it in sections. And it's, um, it's very hard for me. It's almost as if it's kind of like, um, you know those subway tiles that people have really liked putting in kind of a herringbone fashion on their walls for the past couple years, you know, kind of like breaking up that norm of, you know, just the straight line of subway tiles. Instead, they're doing kind of a herringbone. Well, that's what this pattern reminds me of, kind of like almost a tiled herringbone shape. 
it's really difficult for me to describe this. Um, and I love it. It is so cool. And it's actually relatively an easy pattern. What will make or break you with this pattern, which I didn't know until, um, until I, um, after I'd given birth and I'd already knit the first section of this pattern and I hadn't done this step that I'm about to tell you will make or break you. Um, um, and it caused me a lot of headache until I figured it out. So to make the make or break of this pattern is to mark your right side versus your wrong side of the fabric. If you do not do that, you will, the rest of your pattern will be messed up absolutely horribly. Nothing will go right. Take it from me, okay? Because it took me quite a while to figure out uh, everything. The other thing I would say is trust this pattern. Like there are some things in this pattern that just don't seem to make sense. And I literally had to go on faith that it would work out. And when I would finish that section, I'd be like, wow, that really worked. I mean, my gosh. Um, and it's just, it's just awesome. Um, I highly recommend this. I am using a charming use uh spring is in the air 10 mini skein mini set from her which again is a uh, each mini skein is a very generous 20 grams which the normal mini skein i think is around 10 grams so she doubles it um and so but the pattern is written for well it's got three different sizes small large uh, medium and large and it's written oops it's written mainly for people to use like if you got an advent calendar, right, of yarn. She wrote it mainly for that. My thought process is is that I probably have enough of each mini skein um in this packet to be able to use them twice in this pattern. Um which if you had a 10 grams um mini, you wouldn't be able to do. Um and but i'm i'm waiting to see um i'm i need to weigh out uh, i've been weighing out each of my mini skeins before i knit a section and then after i knit a section to see what's left um and so i'm waiting to, i'm just i'm going to do that through the entire process and when i've gone through all 10 colors we'll see if i have enough left to be able to go back through and knit all of the colors one more time i'd really love to do that um, this is a square or rectangle shawl. Another thing I've contemplated doing that if I don't have enough uh, yarn that I might just do like pick up the stitches on my cast on edge and do a three needle bind off to make it into a cowl if I don't have enough yarn to, you know, go through and knit all of the colors again because at that point it would be too short to make it into um, a, a rectangular shawl. It would it would not even be scarf length, you know? So I'm doing that. And I love the colorways in, in the Charming You Spring is in the Air set. It's love it, love it, love it. Lastly, I've got two sets of socks on the needle. Both of them are my own recipe. One is for Mr. Radio and one I am calling my healing socks because I knit them, I cast them on while I was in the hospital. I talked about them last time. They're knit at Knit Picks in Balloon Ride colorway. And I am on the second sock. I just 
finished the fish lips kiss heel of the second sock and so I'm on the home stretch and I am still on the first 50 gram skein uh that uh from uh, uh, from, uh to knit the second pair uh, I'm the second sock for this pair so I, I'm trying to see if I can actually eck out an actual two uh, a, a whole pair of socks without doing technically a shorty sock uh, I would call this a middle length cu cuff or leg um, sock from Knit Picks to see if for my size foot, which is an eight to uh, eight and a half foot, see if I can't eck out an entire pair of socks out of 150 gram uh, skein. We shall see. I might have to break into the second one, but we're we're gonna we're gonna figure that out. Uh, I cast on 60 stitches, which is my norm for my size or any of my sisters and my mother as well, or most women, I would say, um, on U.S. size zeros, and I'm just knitting away on that. And I did the fish lips kiss heel on these, and I, because, honestly, I have that heel memorized, and it works so well with self-striping yarn, perfect with self-striping yarn. Um, and the other pair of socks I cast on, technically I cast it on for the Zebra Yarns Challenge of knit a pair of socks in four days between July 1st and July 4th, knit an entire pair of socks. And she was running that challenge or knit along, whatever you want to call it. And I was so impressed with, there's so many people actually completed this. I was, I was utterly astounded by that. I, of course, did not. Um, but I knew I would not, so I wasn't putting that pressure on myself. I just wanted to cast on when everybody else did. So I did, and I cast on using Zebra Yarns in her light blue and white stripe color colorway for Mr. Radio. So I cast on 68 stitches using a U.S. size 1 needle, and I find that that is a perfect size for him. He prefers his um, hand-knit socks to have a shorter leg as well. Whereas if, if he wears um, socks that bought from the store, he prefers those socks to be kind of like mid-calf length. Um, but for the hand-knit socks, because he runs really warm, he's like, no, I just, you know, a shorter, you know, just like three or four inches on the leg is really all he needs. And so that's what I did. And I decided not to knit the Fish Lips Kiss heel because I noticed in the last couple pairs of socks for him, that the heel wasn't really fitting his heel very, very well because he has a pretty chunky, wide heel. So what I decided to do was use about um, a little less than three... No, no. Okay, out of the 68 stitches, I used uh, 72 stitches uh, of that I have cast on to knit a heel flap and gusset heel for him. And, I use, and I'm doing the eye of partridge heel for him. I am knitting it in um, different um, scrap yarn that I have from around the house. I let Mr. Radio choose the scrap yarns. And so it's kind of an eclectic sock. We've got a cuff that is orange. The leg of the sock is in the main color, which is light blue and white stripes. The heel is in gray. And... If if I have enough yarn, uh, to for the toe, it will pro the toe will probably also be in gray. But I don't know that I have enough yarn, 
Um, I know that I don't have enough yarn in the orange scrap yarn to do uh, cuff and toes. So, you know, and he might get a third color down there, but, and I'll let him pick what third color the toe will be if, the, if that's what it takes. But anyway, I'm just having a great time. I haven't knit the Eye of Partridge heel flap in so long, and it was just really nice to do that. Um, but because I am knitting it with more stitches than normal, the turning of the heel has actually proven a little difficult for me. My recipe that I have in my head for it was not working, um, which is you knit uh, about three-fourths of the way through the heel flap, and that's when you make your first turn. And then you knit three stitches, and I thought maybe I should knit five stitches, then knit and uh, then turn the work for the short rows and just keep going back and forth that way. Um, and that just wasn't, didn't work. So then I knit the three-fourths of the way through the heel flap and just knit back three stitches and then turn the work again and worked back. Um, that also did not work. So at this point, I need to look up because obviously my memory is flawed when it comes to turning a heel, a heel flap because it has been probably three to four years since I've knit a heel flap and gusset. And so my memory is obviously flawed. So I'm going to be doing that. So that is kind of been set aside until I have time where I know Jimmy is well taken care of or he's sound asleep that I can research that out and, and look into that. But that, my friends, is on the couch. Personal skill set. Oh, hello, kiddo. What you doing? You want mama? He's waking up. So today, my friends, I want to talk about self-care. Oh! <laughs> and I feel like we've had this discussion multiple times. I've done my 30-day self-care daily challenge with you twice now. Um, and... Hi, sweetheart. Um, and yet, I still feel like there is a lot of disconnect in the world around what self-care is and how it's viewed by people. And here's why I say that. So, I'm a new mom, and I have a, a, a very uh, dependent baby who is just absolutely wonderful. All babies are dependent, right? All newborns especially are dependent. Yes, sweetheart. Yeah, you're doing good. Yeah. Um... And what I've noticed is that you, my knitting friends, on Instagram, when I post that I have knit, worked on a knitting project, you're all very excited for me, and you all advocate that this is that I you, I do need to take time for myself, and that self care is great, and this is a wonderful thing that I'm doing. However, one of the things that I have on my Instagram is that when I post to Instagram, it pushes through and also posts it to my personal feed on. Facebook, I get a very different reaction from my family and friends on Facebook. What do we need, love? Uh, my friends and family on Facebook, I have gotten multiple private messages saying that I am being kind of selfish and self-centered by knitting at all, that my baby needs 100% or 200% of my time and energy and that any time I take away from caring for Jimmy is just selfish on my part. 
So the question arises, is self-care selfish? And actually one of uh, a friend on Facebook actually even messaged me say, uh, that, that, and she stated her, her um, philosophy that she believed that actually, yeah, self-care is selfish. That um, any time that, that you make the excuse that you're doing something for yourself, you're being selfish. And I, w- I felt really sad well, okay, let me just clarify that. At first, I felt angry at this person for lecturing me about this and for saying such such a horrible thing. Um, that's how I my immediate reaction. But after I calmed down, I actually really just felt sad that this person has the life philosophy that any time this person did anything for themselves, they were being selfish and that they needed to stop that. My thought process around this is, is that you then must have, you know what, I I hate to say this because I I probably am speaking out of my butt when I say this, but it could it be that people who have this ideal kind of have a little bit of low self-esteem, that they believe their self-worth is intrinsically linked with the things that they can provide other people and the things that they can, the way they can take care of other people. So to me, in my head, that's a very sad thing. That if your worth is tied to that and that alone, you will never feel fulfilled. And you will feel frustration and honestly resentment as time goes by. And that's the exact thing that I am seeking to avoid when I take some time out to take care of myself, whether it be a shower or sitting on my back porch and knitting in the heat or um, taking my dog for a walk, which I can't do at the moment, or um, making myself something uh, that I've been craving to eat and, and not maybe making enough to share with other people, right? All of these things is not being selfish, is taking care of myself so that my energy and the way that I present myself to my son now and to my husband is not filled with resentment, frustration, and um, irritation, honestly, but with joy. Um, when my husband gets home from work, the f- one of the first things he does after he's t- taken all of his, you know, t- t- you know <laughs> put all his things away from work, is he comes over to me and he takes Jimmy out of my arms and he says, do what you need to do for the next hour. This is your time. Because my husband recognizes that I have spent every waking moment of the past 10 hours taking care of our beloved son. And that that will probably means that I haven't a, t- been able to take a shower, probably haven't eaten hardly anything, which is usually how it goes, And I definitely haven't been able to take any time for myself. So he is very much an advocate for giving me that space and time when he gets home from work. And so I use that time. Either I do chores around the house, I take a shower, or I knit. And those things for me are self-care. I actually really enjoy doing chores around the house. There's this feeling of accomplishment and... um, Mm -hmm. pride there we go 
when I finish a chore, whether it be the dishes, cleaning the bathroom, vacuuming the floor, which I'm not allowed to do at present, um, or, or any one of those things, wiping down counters, it, even if that's all I can do, right? I love that feeling of accomplishment I get when I do that. So, and I'm actually really grateful for my parents who instilled that in me when we were little. The, the, the rule was in my parents' household growing up was that Saturday mornings, you get up and you do whatever chore has been assigned to you for that week before you do anything else. Well, of course, you know, take a shower and eat your breakfast. Yeah, totally do that. But you can't go and play with your friends or go do any activities until you have done your chores. And when I was little, I absolutely hated that. I was, we were always so, you know, felt resentful towards our parents about it. Um, But then as time went by, and then especially when I moved out on my own, I recognized that I continued that tradition of Saturday morning is chore time. And I love chore day, Saturday, because I feel so accomplished, even if that's the only thing I do that whole day. It makes me feel so accomplished. And that is self-care, right? Because I am taking care of myself and my surroundings so that I am not living in squalor and filth, so that my health remains, uh, uh, remains healthy, and so on and so forth. So the question of is self-care selfish, it's kind of a ridiculous question, isn't it? Self-care is not being selfish unless the intent that you have behind whatever action you are doing is a selfish intent. And at that point, it stops being self-care and uh, goes into narcissism. By the way, I'm totally sorry if you can hear this, but my son is totally ha- using, you know, going number two right now. So there's, yeah, there's some fun sounds coming out of his bottom. Oh, big yawn too. Yeah, do we need to go change your diaper? Oh, yeah, we need to change your diaper. Okay, so I'll just finish this segment really quick. Okay, baby? Um, so self-care, my conclusion, self-care is essential for your well-being your self-preservation, and your emotional health. It is not selfishness. Self-care does not have to be ignoring other people so that you can go and take a walk or light a candle and you know turn the world away from your door, things like that. It doesn't have to be that. It can be that, but it doesn't have to be that. Um, And so I encourage all of you to find out for you what makes you feel fulfilled, what recharges your energy. And honestly, it could be making dinner for your family, doing chores around the house, or sitting and knitting and watching a movie. All of those things could be your self-care. I know they are for me, and I'm sorry about my baby's crying. I need to go take care of him. So I'll come back for the last segments in a minute. Baby, the other night, dear, 
So Huga is all about self-care and carving out some me time, right? This is something um, that I used to advocate with my clients all the time. And I advocate with you, my friends, and all my coworkers all the time. And there's something in particular that that I used to do with my clients that I want to share with you today. Um, We would create... What's you want? Do you want some more? Want some more milk? I thought you were done. Um, so with my clients, we would create what we called a self care um, kit or box. So we would take an old shoe box, um, and we would wrap it in like wrapping paper or something like that. And then we would go through uh, magazines and cut out uh, whatever you know hit our fancy that we felt spoke to us. So on my shoebox, I have uh, things on words on here such as comfort, no guilt, balance, I will manifest, feel truly happy, I was meant to have, pretty smart, and much more. And I've also got pictures of yarn, I've got a picture of Mr. Radio and myself, and I've got pictures of a book, of books, uh, pictures of art. Um, and so much more. Okay. And so, but on the inside, you can put whatever you want that can fit in there. Right. So you could put on the inside of this box, such things as scented candles, coloring books, books to read, a journal, your favorite candy, make sure that that, uh, that it's self shelf stable. You could put in some calming music, some knitting or anything that will bring you joy, peace, and calm. Because that's exactly what Huga 
involves creating a space of healing, joy, peace, and calm in the whirlwind that is our life. So I just want to walk you through what I have in my self-care kit. I've got two skeins of Felici self-striping yarn in the uh, colorway test pattern. It's got black, gray, teal, pink, and I guess that's chartreuse, I want to say. It's really pretty. I really want to knit with it now. Underneath that, I've got a different sets of journals for different ways that I feel because these journals all are titled differently. Uh, first one uh, is t- t- entitled Things That Annoy Me. So if I'm feeling really angry, I'll write in that journal. The next journal is Fresh Rants. Okay, obviously that's also one that really annoys me. But And the third one is Daily Disappointments. I also have one in here that is a Mr. Rogers quote book that I've put in and a oh, things that I'm happy about book. So I've got five total little kind of miniature journals inside here. I've got a bottle that ha- of, of bubbles that I can blow bubbles anytime I want. I've got some, okay, hold on, what's this? I've got a squishy that's inside a Ziploc bag, so I think I thought it might dry out, so I put it inside. One of those, um, like, stress balls, but it's one of those funny ones that kind of are a little bit sticky on the outside, and it's in the shape of a poop emoji, but it's purple, so it's nice and cute. I have a jar that used to be a jam jar that I repurposed, and inside this, if I remember correctly, because I haven't actually been inside the jar in a long time... <laughs> is different things that I think Mr. Radio and I could do, I think. Yeah, go camping, go to a bakery in Girdwood, take a staycation at a hotel. Uh, what else do I have in here? Go to the movies by myself, make a candle. Baby, you're throwing away your bottle there. Um, go to the movies by myself. Okay, what's that one? Uh, go to Tidal Wave. That's our local um, uh, used bookstore that everybody loves in Alaska. Like eh, It's the bomb. And so much more. I've got at least 50 slips of paper in here with different ideas of things that I can do. Things that are extravagant down to the simple things like take a walk. Um, I've got another jar in here that was also a jam jar that I repurposed. And this one has slips of paper in it. That say that that are journal prompts. So this first one that I came out that that um I pulled out says recently I've been feeling dot dot dot. Another slip says I'm not wait I'm noticing a pattern in my behavior dot dot dot. Another say today I learned dot dot dot. Another one I am grateful for dot 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 because and there's oh man there's at least a hundred slips in this one with different journal prompts which by the way that's an idea that I have for um something that I want to do with you guys is do a journal prompt thing I've also got a pack of uh, playing cards in here because I do love playing uh cards by myself like solitaire but I also love playing with my loved ones as well I have a pack of coloring markers I have a dot to dot uh, book because I just love doing dot doing dot to dot books. I just love them. Um, I have a normal journal in here. 
I have a Mr. Roger Encouragement Tins. So it's a tins full of encourage. Uh, uh, it's a tin full of tiny mints with Mr. Rogers on it. And lastly, I have one of my all-time favorite books by Lisa Claypez called Suddenly You. That's a lot in just a shoebox. Uh, I defy you not to find something. I mean, like if this was your box, you would more, be more easily able to find something in here that would suit your fancy. Oh, by the way, I also have the knitting needles for the yarn. That would suit your fancy that you would like to participate in. These are things that I like, you know, that I find soothing, that, that bring me joy and self-care um, and rebuild my energy. Um, and so that's what's in my box uh, yeah, I think I'll probably take a picture of this and put it on the blog. Yeah, I'll do that for you. So, um, I encourage you to go out and make your own self-care box, self-soothing box, whatever you want to call it. Um, we put ours under the couch in the living room and we know exactly where they are. So if we're having a hard time, we just pull it out. Um, I have, um, a lot of times the yarn that's in here is yarn that is fresh um as in I haven't cast anything on with it uh, usually what I've done in the past is I've cast on the socks and then I've just kind of taken them out of this the self-care kit and just worked on them um just by my you know just normally but what I'm actually thinking about now is that I should probably I think it'd be really nice to cast on a pair of socks and just leave them in the kit and maybe keep a journal about how much I knit each day or each time I get into the journal and maybe the thoughts that I was having that day as I was knitting on them. I think that would be really cool to do. And then who knows how long it would take me to knit this pair of socks. It might take me a week because I had a really bad week. Or it might take me 10 years because I was just doing pretty good, right? Um, but I would have that record in there about it. I think that would be really fun. I think I'm going to switch things up and do it that way. Um, so yes, that is my self-care kit. And I really want to encourage you to do this, to make one for yourself. Make it, make it by yourself. Make it with your family and friends. Make it with your companion, your loved one, your best friend, your kids. Whatever you want to do. You can have one for yourself. You can have a self-care kit for the family. Um, Whatever you want to do. I just want to encourage you to do something like that so that when the world becomes a little too stressful for you, you have a place that you can go to, that you can reach for, that will bring you comfort, joy, peace, serenity, and promote that feeling of huga, but also self-care. Contemplation Corner Caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. Audrey Lord. Well, my friends, our time has come to a close again. Thank you so much for joining Jimmy and I today. Um, hopefully you weren't annoyed by his cries. It's just the way of life with having a baby, right? When I first, um, had Jimmy, I could not handle hearing him cry. I just, it was tearing, it would tear me apart. 
And now that I truly recognize that he's communicating with me with his cries, like they don't really bother me that much. They still bother me, but not as much as as it was to begin with. But I hope that you recognize too that he was just communicating with me in those different times of, of the needs that he had. Like that his diaper was dirty, that he needed a nap, or that he needed something to eat. Just the way it is in the daily life of caring for a newborn, right? I'm sure most of you know that. Well, thank you, my friends, for joining us today. And until next time, remember to knit what you love and love what you knit. Ta-ta for now.